This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. Welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Chuck Taylor, Principal Investigator of In-Space Propulsion and Space Power Generation within the Game Changing Development Program. Chuck is based in NASA Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia. Chuck, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Chuck, can you talk about, uh, let's, let's set the stage here with the uh, electric propulsion systems. Uh, first, what role will large-scale electric propulsion systems play? Are they in Mars missions, asteroid retrieval? What kinds of missions will we see these systems in action? Solar electric propulsion actually runs the gamut from very small thrusters that are actually working today on orbit for um, uh, attitude control and orbit adjustment of communication satellites uh, today, uh, both for commercial satellites and for military and intelligence capabilities. Uh, we hope to expand the horizons of, of the capability and by adding uh, larger solar arrays, creating more power, uh, giving uh, thrusters the, the, uh, the requisite power to, to actually do the missions you talk about, both the asteroid retrieval and one day maybe uh, satisfying some of the uh, requirements for a Mars mission. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an idea of what these uh, scaled-up solar electric systems look like, kind of the, the parts and, and um, yeah, their design? Well, well the solar rays, uh, the, today's solar rays uh, come in several fashions. You, you, you have rigid panels and, and you have blankets that are, that are uh, um, uh, flexible blankets that are being designed and, and actually put on satellites today. Uh, usually the, the solar rays that, that you're most familiar with are rectangular, um, but some uh, recent solar rays, the, the Ultraflex technology uh, that's come from uh, ATK, uh, is uh, a circular solar array that, that kind of um, deploys, I always use the uh, uh, example of a Chinese fan. Uh, and so it uh, deploys in a circular fashion. Um, the, the power ranges, you know, anywhere from several kilowatts up to 25, 30 kilowatts is, is probably the, the, the maximum power for today's solar arrays. The, the asteroid redirect mission, which we're working on uh, right now at NASA, and we're hoping to launch in, in, in the uh, you know, 2018 timeframe, will probably rely on solar arrays that generate on the order of 50 kilowatts of power. We haven't decided what geometric shape they would be, which vendor we would use for them, what uh, the component technology would be, but in terms of raw performance, that's about what we're looking at. And, and how, does the, uh, how do these systems compare to uh, current systems? How are they improving? Uh, upon older systems, uh, how are they different? Uh, well, you have uh, multiple parts. You, you have the cells themselves, and, 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 and that's basically a function of efficiency. Uh, your standard cells today uh, work at about 29% efficiency. We're hoping that future cells, uh, based on inver inverted uh, metamorphic technology, will get us to about 34%. That's always important because the more efficiency you have, the smaller area the, the actual solar array takes up, and the less uh, heat you have to, to reject um, uh, from the inefficiency. But beyond just the cell, then you have the technology of 
uh, how that cell is put into a panel or a blanket and then how that uh, panel and blanket is deployed on an array. We're, we're working on lightweight structures to improve upon the present systems, uh, less mass, uh, better structural integrity, and probably the most important thing when we go to these very large arrays is the autonomous nature of the deployment. We actually have very large arrays on the uh, International Space Station, but when we put that together, it took, uh, we, we, we actually um, sent it up to the space station in parts using the shuttle, and astronauts helped to assemble it. Uh, the, the arrays we're developing today, uh, we're trying to get as much power as we have on station, but get it in a uh, form factor where it's uh, stowed for launch and deployed autonomously. So those are some of the key technologies that, that are required to take these next steps. Yeah, and what would you say your biggest technology challenges are uh, with what you're working on currently? Uh, and, uh, probably the uh, um, deployment mechanisms and the reliability of those mechanisms uh, and, and the absolute size of the structure. Mm -hmm. And making sure that those structures have the strength and stiffness required. As this uh, spacecraft uh, uh, moves through space, you have to continually be pointing at the sun. You're orbiting the Earth uh, very quickly. You're moving uh, away from the Earth towards other objects. And, and you have to make, uh, make sure that you uh, have this system pointed at the sun uh, throughout the spacecraft's movement. And in order to do that, you, you have to have the strength and, and uh, stiffness within, the, within these systems that at the same time uh, you have the ability uh, originally to stow them in a very small volume. So uh, that combination of uh, light weight and stru structural integrity uh, are probably are, are the things we're most concerned with uh, at the moment. Uh, I imagine you'll start smaller and then so where would we, where would we first see these being used um, and, and, um, and what sort of time frame are we talking about? mission right now, the, the asteroid redirect mission that's being contemplated uh, by NASA is slated for a late 2017, early 18 launch. Uh, that uh, mission would, would spend time uh, leaving uh, uh, Earth orbit, going out and retrieving the asteroid and bringing it back to a, uh, uh, a near lunar uh, orbit so that uh, uh, it could be visited by uh, uh, astronauts. Um, that entire time frame uh, takes us from 2017 through 2023, 24, something like that. Um, any missions after that, whether they be uh, orbiting a Mars moon uh, or actual uh, uh, sending, sending uh, humans to Mars, would probably be in the 2030, 2035 kind of time frame is what um, I've seen on, on, on some plans recently. But, but like I say, those, those are, are, are um, very early plans at the moment. And they would require a, a huge jump in the amount of power that we would need. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, I'm talking about with the asteroid redirect mission of 50 kilowatts of prime power on the spacecraft. Uh, 
most people would suggest that if you were going to use solar arrays at all for a Mars mission, you would be talking about um, uh, one megawatt to two megawatts of prime power. So, you know, that's roughly, um, you know, a, a five-fold increase or better. For going to Mars, most of the folks talk about nuclear thermal propulsion mm -hmm. rather than solar electric propulsion. Right. I'm an advocate for the SEP solution, at least for some of the early missions, and getting that one megawatt to two megawatts. But, but uh, um, many folks in some of our, our actual NASA plans call for uh, uh, nuclear um, uh, power as being the driver for those missions. And why, why do you prefer this over the nuclear-powered uh, option? Um, Basically, uh, nuclear power has got, uh, when, when you look at power in terms of the mass that you need to carry with you to, in order to generate that power, you can call it specific power um, um, or alpha is, is sometimes used in the aviation industry, but it's thrust to weight or power to weight. And nuclear power is, is much heavier. Mm -hmm. And so until you get to very large amounts of power, you don't, uh, it's kind of like you have a large fixed cost of uh, the, the uh, um, nuclear component to the system. Mm -hmm. And so uh, until you get to very large powers where, where you um, can uh, amortize that mass, if you will, uh, it, it's uh, just a lot uh, lighter to, to think of using solar or electric in that one megawatt to two megawatt regime. Now, as... As principal investigator of the of the program, well, what is your specific work with the uh, electric propulsion system? That's actually a very difficult question because the, the principal investigator role within the uh, Space Technology Mission Directorate is is not necessarily the exact same role that that uh, many folks within NASA think of for principal investigator. Uh, we are um, uh, responsible for for a, a portfolio of technologies, and, and um, our job is not necessarily to be very, very tied to a particular mission and the science objectives for that mission or uh, um, uh, trying to determine what should go on that particular mission, but rather it, we have a portfolio view where we're trying to develop um, the entire continuum, we've focused on solar arrays, and, and, but so we take solar cells and the, the uh, structural arrays, and we walk all the way down and, and talk about, uh, you know, electric propulsion thrusters, the, the Hall effect thruster or gridded ion thruster that actually converts that electricity in, into propulsive force, and so, and, and the electronics in between. So. I, not only do I cover uh, multiple systems, but I also am involved in, in making sure that we're looking at the early TRL, the technology readiness level concepts uh, that are coming out of academia or our own uh, NASA centers and maturing those and developing the engineering models that uh, allow us to test them. and 
nurturing that path as you go through to, to doing flight tests and, and actually seeing that technology transitioned into a uh, commercial or government system. So it's more of a life cycle view of the technology uh, is my focus rather than the um, uh, mission, the, the, a, a particular single mission focus, which is how most principal investigators are viewed within the agency. Sure. And I just want to ask a couple more specific questions about uh, solar electric propulsion. Um, I, I wanted to hear about the uh, the companies that you're working with. What are those uh, partnerships, and uh, how important are they to getting uh, the the solar electric propulsion mission off the ground? Well, uh, they're very important. I mean, NASA ha has a very specific capability set in terms of uh, what our centers can and can't do, and and, and the place where we rely heavily on industry is the manufacturing of flight units. We, are, uh, we have world-class researchers and scientists, and they're very good at developing, um, uh, we talked about that technology continuum, they're, they're very good at coming up with new ideas and uh, creating lab uh, test articles, but the actual flight articles we usually give, turn over to industry. Uh, we have several partners in the solar array world that uh, we're working with right now to, to build the arrays I, I've been speaking about for the uh, asteroid redirect mission. And we have several partners that we work with on the thrusters, which are on the other end of the spectrum, uh, to develop the, the, uh, the rocket engine that basically converts that electric power uh, into thrust. Mm -hmm. uh, I've spent a bit of time talking about the solar arrays, but we've kind of given short shrift to the the, to that other end, because that's really what differentiates um, what most people think of in terms of propulsion, a rocket, is uh, most people think of that thrust coming from chemical propulsion, right. where all the energy is stored in, in the propellants that you bring up. Uh, in electric propulsion, we're actually converting the sun's energy uh, into the motive force for the, uh, uh, for the spacecraft. And in doing that, you, 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 uh, you still have to bring propellant up, but the, the propellant is uh, an inert gas usually, and, and what you're doing is using uh, the, um, converting the sun's energy into electric energy and basically manipulating, stripping an electron from that inert gas and, and manipulating it, accelerating it um, uh, in order to get your uh, propulsive force. Mm -hmm. And um, before we go on to the other projects that you're working on, um, what what is uh, currently being done with the the system right now? What are you what are you currently working on with that? Okay, so we we basically uh, separate the world into uh, two, if not three, categories. First is the solar rays. We've talked about that. We have two uh, vendors working right now on producing. Uh, advanced lightweight solar arrays that are autonomously deployable uh, that can give us something on the order of 50 kilowatts of prime power. Uh, those, uh, those two vendors were selected a year ago and uh, they are uh, actively uh, putting together their engineering models and we hope to test them in a, at Plumbrook uh, uh, in a thermal vacuum, uh, I guess in March of, of 2014. And uh, so one of those two vendors would likely be the supplier of the solar array for the uh, 
uh, asteroid redirect mission. Now, while we're doing that, we're also defining our requirements for the thruster. That's the, the uh, uh, system that's going to take that electrical power and, and basically work on um, xenon gas and, and to provide us with propulsion. We, we have to develop uh, what's called a, a, a uh, power processing unit, which basically uh, changes the voltage coming off the solar array and uh, gives the thruster the, the, the power it needs. We have to develop a, a, um, a thruster that will work at the right power levels, and we have to develop uh, large xenon tanks in order to carry enough fuel with us for the, what's anticipated to be a four or five year mission to, to, to get this asteroid and bring it home. Now, uh, as, as the, the principal investigator of the Game Changing Development Program, uh, you mentioned you have a lot of initiatives and projects. Uh, can you talk about any other uh, exciting products that are in the works and things that you deal with uh, on a on a day to day basis? There are two things I'm really excited about. Uh, one is a new battery initiative where where we've uh, joined forces with ARPA E from the Department of Energy to look at at uh, very high power batteries uh, that go beyond the range of what we can uh, traditionally get from lithium ion batteries today. Uh, we found that the uh, Department of Energy, which is uh, heavily invested in promoting uh, electric vehicles for, for uh, terrestrial use, has a lot of the same interests that we do in terms of uh, the energy density within the battery, the safety com um, uh, ideas behind having a battery, and, and the ability to, ha uh, to have a battery that lasts for a long time. Uh, all the things that we might want in space are, are not too far from those things a, a customer would want out of an electric vehicle uh, on Earth. And so we've uh, joined with them in a uh, solicitation that uh, we're working through now. We hope to uh, have some uh, very good folks working on this particular project in the coming uh, year. Another one is a project to bring down the cost of solar arrays. Uh, today, solar arrays can be a very expensive component of a spacecraft. In the past, we probably haven't worried about it too much because the solar array, uh, you know, the amount of power we were generating was not all that great, and it wasn't the primary driver for the spacecraft, even though on a, uh, you know, dollars per watt basis for the amount of power we were generating, it was, it was rather expensive. But as NASA contemplates these very, very large arrays, not only for getting asteroids, but also for going to Mars, um, suddenly that cost equation changes, and, and, and the cost of the solar array suddenly dominates your entire mission cost. And so we've uh, initiated a project to look at ways to, to drastically bring down the cost of space solar arrays. I'm going to focus not only on the individual cells and how they're manufactured, but also how we uh, um, basically uh, take it from a cell level, the, all of the labor that's involved in taking that from a cell through a blanket to, to a, uh, a full array. Um, our, our goals are to bring down the cost by maybe a factor of five over the next three to four years. Uh, so those are, are two things we have on the horizon. So what would you say is your favorite part of the job? This will be my last question. Seeing technologies in their embryonic state. 
-hmm. When you see somebody with a fantastic idea that really has the potential to change uh, how we do our business today, whether whether it's increased performance or, or uh, decreasing the cost to do the same job, and you see somebody come forward with a with a, with a, a fantastic idea, and you are uh, in the right place at the right time to help that individual uh, realize their dream, and, and real and watch technologies grow from shall we say the sparkle in somebody's eye to the point where there is something tangible and, and, and it actually is a working uh, uh, entity. It's, it's something that you've tested, something that you fly, and, and uh, just knowing that you are a part of, of that entire continuum from, from uh, the beginning till, till the flight is probably why you get up in the morning. Well, Chuck Taylor, thanks very much uh, for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, thank you.